Welcome back to another episode of the Coaches Coffee Club podcast. Myself and Matt are here with episode six of series three. Six Hello, Matt. on the bounce. Six on the bounce. Yes, we are delivering. Like, <laughs> like promised, we are delivering. And I'm, I'm much perkier this week. <laughs> I've given the old <laughs> coronavirus the elbow and I can speak again. You sound... So, Fantastic, mate. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there'll be a few listeners who are disappointed me to hear that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling much perkier. So um, <clears throat> yeah, how are you, mate? Anyway, how's your week been? Very good. I wasn't shaking off a virus though, so probably much better than yours. But yeah, listen, we, you know, I know we alluded to it on our little chat today, but been out on the grass a lot, so it's been uh, it's been fun, mate. It's been fun. Yeah, how's nice lockdown weather. been? Nice, <laughs> beautiful <laughs> weather to be out on the grass. I notice you've got a uh, two-tone arms, which is thank uh, <laughs> you, thank you. Good to see. Um, yeah, now we've spent a little bit of time in the garden, but not we felt coughing over the fence. Yeah, the whole you? no, the whole the whole family's been a little bit under the weather. So um, yeah, it's, we've just kind of been looking at it out the window, which. Yeah. Which sucks. So, well, um, as you can tell by looking at me, I am not built for sun. So this week <laughs> has been a challenging one for me. So, is that why I've you're gone, wearing that sombrero? Have you been yeah. wearing that to coaching? <laughs> I've gone full Tony Pulis with a cap. <laughs> I, I wasn't allowed go Michael Jackson with the umbrella, so I uh, had to stick with the cap. But I've got to be honest; it's been lovely. But I've been struggling through this heat. But, <laughs> I can't complain, mate, but it is good to see you looking well again. Yeah, yeah, and no, sounding much, well. Yeah, yeah, cheers, mate. On the mend. I, I get out. I get out tomorrow. Yes. Um, yeah. Go so, wild. Do yeah. as much as you can. Yeah. Um, who do we have on today, mate? Who do we have the pleasure of speaking to? We had Jordan McCann, a top, top man. Yeah. And we, uh, somebody we met on the, uh, well, I met on the Elite Head of Coaching course. Did you meet him before then? Yeah, so Jordan and I did the same roles. I was YDP at Northampton and he was YDP at Luton. So we, we crossed paths a lot and then obviously both moved into the EHOC head role. Coaching. Same, yeah, head of yeah. coaching and, and did the same same course where where you were in that as well. So yeah, yeah, we've kind of known each other for a while. But yeah, really good guys, isn't he, Jordan? And, uh, really good. Yeah, really good. And, you know, he obviously talked to, to us about his time at Luton and then, more recently, he's moved into an academy manager role as well. So we talked about that for the majority of our little chat tonight. But yeah, re- really good guy. He's a really deep thinker as well. So um, I do really like our, you know, I really like our conversations when we do catch up because they're, you know, they're challenging and they're quite uh, deeper than you know a chat. It's it's a bit more of a conversation. So uh, yeah, another good one. Yeah. You'll enjoy this one, I'm sure. As always, please go and uh, subscribe, comment, share it, listen, and give us some feedback because uh, it would be very helpful to know if we're any good at this. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's get on with it. This is um, Academy Manager of Lincoln City, Mr. Jordan McCann. Good evening, Matt and myself are joined this evening by a good friend of ours, known this man for a few years, Jordan McCann. Hello, Jordan. Hi, Lee. Good evening. Cheers for joining us, mate. Good to see you again. Um, <clears throat> we've uh, we've known each other a few years. Um, I'm obviously, Matt and myself had the pleasure of being in the same cohort as you on the, the EHOC. But um, what we're going to start off with, mate, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to give you 30 seconds just to, uh, to give us a, a quick insight into your career and how you got to where you are now. And the reason we'll keep it at 30 seconds is it might challenge you to pick some of the really uh, the standout moments of, uh, of your career, mate. So uh, 30 seconds, off you go. Uh, yeah, so um, I, I suppose I started, Lee, in, in coaching um, back, back end of, um, of university when I was at Loughborough, really good three years, um, picking up some, some theory and practice. Um, old coach from when I was, was still playing, was was in at Luton Town, went there, had 10 brilliant years, fantastic environment and, and loads of opportunity to learn and develop off, off others. And then at the end of that time, uh, moved on to to Lincoln City in, in my current current post as academy manager. So, um, yeah, that, that's, I suppose, a brief whistle-stop tour of where I am today. So, 
What what was it about coaching, mate? Was that something you wanted to get into before you went to Loughborough, or did some did that coach or that person you you mentioned there did they sort of light the fire and, and spark some curiosity there? Yeah, I think it's a it's a good question. I suppose when when you're young, like most people, are, I wanted to play, and then you, you get to the realization that maybe that's not going to be at the level that you'd quite like it to to be at and, and at university my my three years at, at Loughborough there were some some outstanding people in uh, I suppose a variety of fields um, but most notably coach development um, and the the modules around coach education teaching learning and, and, and pedagogy and that just kind of yeah I suppose ignited a, a fire that was was already there to to go down that path. What what, what was it like studying there mate because obviously it's it's world renowned, isn't it, for for its sort of sport and <clears throat> an academic um, prowess? What what was it like, sort of, firstly getting into that 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 uh, university, and then what, what was it like, sort of, studying there? How did you find that? Yeah, the the three years there, Lee, were were absolutely pivotal in in my development. Um, just, just an outstanding three years. The the learning environment was was tough, challenging. Um, some, like you said, some some lecturers and academics who are who are world renowned and, and outstanding leaders in in their field. So that was a privilege to be able to have access to to them people as well as the the level of students, undergrad, postgrad, um, and the wider doctoral students as well who were on the the similar programs across sports sciences and and, and coaching. So um, fantastic three years. I couldn't speak speak highly enough of it, and, and undoubtedly. Um, played a, a massive part in in shaping my um, yeah my career today and an understanding of, of various topics at this point. That, that was going to be something I mentioned, mate, because <clears throat> following your work and, and knowing you as I do, the <clears throat> that academic side of research and, and teaching and sort of pedagogy, as you said, that that's something that that um, I guess you you value, um, and, and I see you'll you'll share a lot of things around sort of research or, or, or up and coming um, papers that, that you read and stuff. Is, is that something that you, you, you still take a keen interest in? Is that something you, you value as, as a coach and as a developer of people? And, and how can I suppose people lean into that a bit more to, to reap the benefits of it? Because that's something I'm, I could do better, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose much like you guys, Lee and, and Matt, we, we've all got time constraints, so um, it can be difficult in the day-to-day -to, -day to, to spend as much time around um, academia as when you're solely dedicated to it. Um, but but things change, don't they, so, so quickly in, in coaching, coach development. And um, like when we were on the, the EHOC programme, which is obviously a fantastic course, you're trying to pick up certain theoretical aspects around coaching, uh, you know, and that, that spectrum can be can be very very broad so it's certainly something that I try to keep up to date with I'm certainly in your in your boat Lee I'm probably not as as up to date or au fait with certain topics as I'd like to be and then of course the real skill is is how you take that information and apply it practically in in your environment yeah you um you said there then that after that you got an opportunity at Luton Town and, and spent 10 years there now <clears throat> you don't look that old mate whether it's uh might be good, good face cream. If it is, give me, give me the recommendation. But you got ten years under your belt before becoming an academy manager. Tell, tell me about your time at Luton and some of the stuff you did there and the experiences that that have shaped you over the last decade. That sounds like a real long time, don't it? It make you feel old now, don't I? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks. For the first bit. That's um, that, that's very <laughs> kind. I think what what this technology has allowed us to do is get some, you know, good filters. So, uh, self looking uh, Looking, yeah, I, I, I should have realised the dog ears and the long tongue sticking out were probably a giveaway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, no, no, I'm I'm still fairly um, I consider myself fairly novice and, and new to to the profession, despite you know a, a couple of years in in the bank behind me now, um, and and ten yeah re really productive productive years where just had the opportunity to work with some outstanding people and that was obviously yeah. just a great environment to, to be in for such an elongated period of time um to, to open up i suppose the the opportunity 
in in my current role at, at Lincoln City. So, um, yeah, fant- fantastic years, fantastic people, learned so much. Um, I'm still in in regular contact with with many of the guys from from Luton today. Some who are still there, some who have moved on to to different environments now, and and can't thank them individuals enough for yeah for the time they spent with me and and the increased knowledge that they gave me to allow me to get to the point that, that I'm currently at. George, what what made the environment so special? Was it was there some was it you know was there something in particular, or was it something that everybody did? What what was it that you know, made it such a, a good period of time for you. Yeah, I'd say um, that, that's a, a really challenging question, Matt. I think the first thing that springs to mind is um, when I first started at Luton, there was an outstanding leader in place um, in, in Greg Broughton, who was academy manager. He's he's now working um, overseas at Bodo Glimpse. But yeah. the, the main underpinning element of that environment that made it so good was he was challenging but supported you in your role you got loads of autonomy um but also loads of guidance when when you needed it and he he just had a real knack of knowing when to push up when to challenge you and when to step off and and let you have a go and try things for yourself and uh, as a young person who was just starting out in coaching at that time that was probably exactly what I needed um, enough time to practice and have a go and get things wrong and, and you know, learn by trial and error and guided discovery, but also, yeah, ha- have that support and that guidance from someone with with real experience. So that that was probably the first thing. And then the, the other people alongside Greg, who were more senior in the academy at the time, um, John D'Souza, Dan Walder, Paul Driver, you know, so many, so many really good people with with such extensive knowledge that it just, it was such a great platform and a great place to be for for learning. Mm. Was what? Because um, obviously, that I've heard that as well about um, Greg before, as well about that sort of type of leadership as well, um, which sounds sounds brilliant. It did. Did everybody get that same you know level of autonomy and support, and and did that breed the the sort of learning environment, you know, learning and challenging environment in the club? Yeah, I think they, I think they did, Matt. In in hindsight, you know, and at the time, I suppose when when we were there, it wasn't really a concept that you were really recognising on on a day to day basis. Yeah. It was just the skill of, you know, the skill of Greg on reflection and and how much better um, that that people were getting, you know, yeah. in a short period of time that made you realise how how skilled he was and. Um, whether that was a, a consequence of there was just always really good people there, but some of the individuals now who have gone on to, you know, fulfil some really prominent positions in in youth development who, who came through or working at the football club at that period of time, and it, it certainly um, it certainly would would seem and, and would probably be remiss to say it wasn't a consequence of that that leadership that was so skilled in in helping people develop and get better and improve without being you know too authoritative and and quashing people's creativity or or mm. license to have a go you know um, so, yeah. so it was just such a yes such a brilliant environment to to, to be in for for staff and, and and for the boys as well you know i think a lot of the boys who were at the club in that period of time even though we were outside the football league for for quite a bit of that that period would would hopefully say the the same thing i'm sure mm. i know i know now you know you are quite a, a deep reflector on you about yourself your development about the, the way you do things what what were you like when you first started off you know were, were you a reflector was that something you got from university and did you set yourself goals and targets or did you literally just you know throw yourself into the deep end and, and see what happened yeah I, th- I think I probably was um a reflector Matt without really knowing what okay. you know that I was going through a reflective process um, and certainly the, you know, certainly the latter part of, of your question there, I, I did throw myself into to everything. I, you know, I, I went in at nine o'clock in the morning and left at nine o'clock at night, pretty much five days a week because I wanted to watch the 18s train and uh, and the 18s, you know, the 18s coach at that period of time. Um, and then I wanted to work with every age group in, you know, in the evening from from the under sevens and under eights, which is a, a vastly different skill set and challenge to working with the the 15s and 16s. So I wanted to have a go at, at everything. Um, so I think that the combination of the two is probably 
you know, looking back, quite a healthy place to be that you're getting a real broad range of experience. And then you're going through that reflective process and, and that learning after the sessions, albeit maybe with not enough time to really consolidate um, in them in them early years. But but looking back, it was certainly ha having a go at everything. I would, um, yeah, I would say that had a positive impact on on my development so far. So when when you got into the head of coaching role, obviously you you, you talked about how good the club was. Were, did, when you got into that role, was it just about right? I just got to keep this going, or did you have ideas of actually I've learned this stuff and I want to implement some new things and change things or was it just like this place is great let's maintain it let's keep it going yeah that's um that, that's a really a really challenging challenging my thought Matt to think back to that that time I think when I first yeah. went into into posters as head of coaching there'd been some changes already at, at the club we'd gone back into the football league um Greg had, had moved on at, at that period of time to to Norwich City, we had a new academy manager in place, um, Wayne Turner, another outstanding coach, outstanding person, um, and it was just the yeah the inception of of, of the Premier League's um, head of coaching program. So I think probably a mix. I think there was some really good stuff going on that um, we wanted to to keep and and you know have a as a mainstay of the program throughout all, all the phases, and then maybe one or two things that you always think you could do better or, or tweak. And, and that's probably quite a healthy place to, to be. Um, but, but with a real collaborative approach, Matt, and, you know, as, as you all know, from, from doing the role now for an extensive period of time, it's always, you, you know, you're in that post, but there's other people around you who know more than you. So it's how you position yourself within that and utilize them individuals. I think that can be a, a real key determinant of your success within your programme. Jordan, one thing I was going to ask, mate, because <clears throat> there'll be a lot of people out there who, who envy the roles you've had and the sort of the journey you've taken. So <clears throat> two parts to my question. What skills and or qualifications did you need to get your full-time opportunity at Luton? And then second part of that, now you've moved into an academy management role. What skills and or qualifications did you need to be eligible for, for this opportunity? Because um, I say some, some listeners might really want to get into full-time football or have, have dreams of, of running an academy like, like yourself. So tell us a bit about that, mate, if you could. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so really fortunate, I think, Lee, personally, in terms of the timing of, of my journey that at the time coming out of, of university a couple of years later, um, it was it was the inception of the EPPP and the creation of a lot of full time roles in youth development that that weren't there prior to prior to to that become coming in place and, and governing youth development. So um, I, I did do my UEFA B license quite young whilst I was at, at university, which put me in a position when the the new rules from from the Premier League came in place around mandatory coaching positions with foundation phase, youth development phase, league coaches that full-time jobs came came available almost overnight so because I'd already been in the club for a couple of years um, and, and full-time jobs then had had funding um, I, I got the, the youth development phase phase role so there was certainly a fortunate element to that but obviously you have to get yourself qualified as well to to be in that position so that that was kind of my my entry route really that, that coincided with the changes in governance um, and then you know, fast forward the the tape uh, another seven years, and and during that time, I I tried to upskill myself as as best as I could, both within the club and and externally, um, continuing some some courses around sports science and physiological development with the FA and some external bodies, and uh, a master's degree, and and then going through the, the coaching pathway and getting my my A license and and my AYA to so to just keep improving my knowledge, but never really with the the sole aim of looking at what what comes next. I I never really had ambitions early on of being an academy manager. I don't think it's something that many people think about, um, or, or may, maybe they do. It was coaching I wanted to get into, so it was kind of an organic process that the opportunity at, at Lincoln City came up, and um, yeah, I, I almost not not fell into to the role. That would probably be the the wrong assertion, but it seemed like the right opportunity for me at the right time. Um, in, in the middle of 2019 when I moved across. 
So what <clears throat> what excited you about that opportunity, mate? What were the things that made you think, you know what, it was not on my radar, but I, I fancy a bit of that. Yeah, um, that there had been some some changes at, at the football club, Lee, much like um, I suppose it was in a cycle, maybe three or four years, the club behind behind Luton, where Lincoln had been outside of the league for a, a period of time. Um, and, and Danny and Nicky Cowley had come into the football club and done a, an outstanding job of getting promotion back to the Football League and quarterfinals of the FA Cup as a, as a non-league team. Um, the owners had changed, so there'd been a lot of change at, at the club. Um, and the academy was kind of like a, a blank slate that the, the guys in post previously had done uh, an unbelievable job of, of keeping it going with with no funding um, when the club was outside the league and the the incumbent academy manager had, had moved into the business side of the, the club and the uh, yeah the director of football got got in contact and we had some discussions and the, the funding was back in place the, the infrastructure was growing and um, it, it just seemed like the the right opportunity to to, to go in and and have a go at, at leading um, a, a program, albeit with with a heavy heart, because I you know I had had such a, a great ten years at, at Luton, but it was it was something that yeah I suppose them opportunities don't come up too often, Lee, and and it was almost like there was a moment in time where if I didn't didn't take it, it, it might not come around again. <clears throat> and and how are you finding it? Tell tell us what. What does a day in the life of Jordan McCann look like at the minute? I know probably every day is very different, mate, but but I guess some of our listeners will be interested to to hear what, what does being an academy manager look like? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I know myself, Lee, to be honest. I've <laughs> been doing it nearly, well, t- two years now. Um, it, it, like you said, it, it does change every, every day. and you know, Ch- you, Chuck a dex- pandemic in there as well for you, mate, just to juggle that one. <laughs> Yeah, that was um that that's been good good fun. Um, but yeah, you you know your dexterity and and how agile you are as an individual gets tested because you know f- for the best laid plans in the world your day can look very different come you know nine o'clock in the morning than what you envisaged it was going to be the the night before. So it, it is really wide ranging. Um, like we said just before we started, I'm I'm currently sat in the scholar's house um on a Sunday night and we've just finished cooking for heaters. So with a load of 16, 17 year olds. So it it, it really does change from you know, pastoral care, still get out on the on the pitch and, and coach every day. That's why I got into, you know, into football and youth development and, and what I love. So I'm, I'm really uh, making concerted efforts to, to ensure I get that time. Um, I, otherwise, I think it can become a bit of a grind when you always get get down in, in governance and audit and all the other stuff that go with with youth development. So, yeah, really wide ranging from you know, making sure you hit the criteria for, you know, P-Jack, what was double pass and, and still getting out on the pitch and developing young players, developing staff, trying to help them get better, managing finance, managing, you know, making sure that the budget lines are, are hit and adhered to. So it's, it's it's really wide ranging and I'm still learning every day. You know, things crop up on a, on a day-to-day basis, Lee, that I don't expect and and you try and do do the best you can with with the skills you have to to make a success of it. You, you spoke extremely highly of some of the staff that that led you during your time at Luton what are the what are the few things that you are trying to take from them and ensure that you as the leader now bring to your role in in your club yeah I think just to to go back to the the first point around when I first started at Luton with with Greg it would be that that similar guise of making sure the staff have have autonomy to you know, to do their roles, they're they're in post because they're they're skilled people and they've got they've got good knowledge, good understanding of player development in their respective fields and and you know quite often across a multitude of of areas. So it's making sure they feel free and have enough enough license to do that, and then just perhaps provide a little bit of challenge and a little bit of support and a little prod every now and then to you know if there's things that need doing better or or something that that we need to change. Um, uh, and that comes with developing, you know, high levels of rapport with with each individual to know who can, you know, who, who wants to be challenged and stretch a little bit more, who works better in a, you know, a, a more laissez-faire kind of environment and, and just trying to get to know individuals really well every day so I can understand how to make them tick and, and how to keep, you know, keep helping proving them. But, you know, that, that they do the same because, like we've said, 
the, the, the difficulty being in a, a development role, a leadership role that, that the head of coaching roles is you're often working with people who know more than you in their various subjects. So how you go about that is a skill and a challenge in itself. So, so you get the job, mate. You, you're excited. You, you can't wait to get started. With your experiences up until that day, your 10 years at Luton, um, your academic stuff at Loughborough and all sorts of, of different experiences, coaching and, and being involved in player development. What are the few things that, you know, you got this role, you thought, right, I'm going to make sure, or I've got my opportunity now, I'm going to give these a go. Um, is there anything to do with programme structure or like sort of your personal philosophy that now you're in a position to be able to, to implement it? Is there a couple of things that you thought, right, these are absolute non-negotiables, I'm going to give these a go? Or was it a case of just trying to keep things ticking over, which you don't seem like that kind of person to me, mate. You got some some skills to implement, so. Yeah, no, I, thanks, Lee. That's that's really kind. I think that the first thing of going in and, and starting was just to do a lot of listening um, and get to know people without wanting to, you know, try and enforce any any real real change and um, ju just like like we've just spoken about, build that rapport across the staff team, get to understand from, from people's perspectives what they thought were the strong parts of the programme, what they they felt needed, you know, needed change or, or maybe needed just adjusting slightly and and, and listen intently for, for a period of time to, to do that, to get to a position where, one, I could try and build up some credibility with, with the individuals to give, you know, a bit of a platform to, to, to do some work and, and two, also understand where people's skill sets you know, lied, where they would have a, a really good input. So I think that was the that was the first bit. And that, that probably allowed a period of time then to to do a bit of a, you know, an overarching scope of the program and where we were, where we were weak, where we were strong, a bit of a SWOT analysis, I suppose. Um, and then start to look at, yeah, the, the coaching program and the wider development um, development arms of the academy from you know across sports science medicine recruitment education uh, and just start to to nudge things forward and make some strategic changes um, at the club that was going to help the academy grow and, and move forward you say you say it's been about two years now what what has been your biggest challenge and what are you most proud of in those first two years oh really good question um the, the, the biggest challenge, Lee, every, every day is, is managing workload. You know, it, it is so all-encompassing and, and I suppose that comes with the territory of having a team of, you know, 40-odd staff and 120 players that, you know, you work with every day. There's always things going on. Um, and academies are, you know, seven days a week now, you know, almost, almost 365 days of the year. There's something going on every day. So, the, the biggest challenge is always trying to make sure that you're effective, um, you, you manage your time and, and have some impact because it, it is so broad. So that's something that continues to, to challenge me day in and, and day out. Um, in, in terms of what I'm most proud of, that's a, that's a, a really, really tricky one. Um, I think I'm probably most proudly of the way we've supported the young people through the last 18 months and, and, and the players. Um, some of the, some of the lads have, have had it rough and, and that's been, you know, ranging from boys who have struggled with, you know, lockdown in general and, and the lack of social contact to boys who have, who have lost parents and grandparents either through, you know, COVID or other, other areas in the last 18 months and needed a lot of support. So the way that staff have, have managed to, to do that and support the lads, and I know there's been some great work going on across the academies in, in England has been something that yeah, I think we'll look back on in, you know, maybe in two or three, four, six months time, whenever, you know, things start to settle down a little bit. I know we're still in the middle of it at the minute with a lot of clubs having players isolating, but I think football in general will be really proud of the way that we, we kept going and supported a lot of young people for a challenging time. Agreed, mate. Um, talking about, so we talked a, bit, a little bit about you leading a group. What about managing up? and supporting your sort of relationship upwards? Because I know in, in, well, in any industry, it's not just football, is it? It's any industry that like, you know, the, the better relationships and being able to, um, when, I, when I mean manage, I don't mean, you know, manipulate, but even little things like 
how you present information to certain people and you know what type of you know who who to speak to 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 discuss one thing and who to speak to around how quickly did you um get to sort of understand your position and and how quickly could you build those relationships you know to have that um good relationship to allow you to to make those strategic changes that you said because those strategic change the changes that you make on on processes and day-to-day things you know you can have full control of but all those strategic ones you often have to get buy-in don't you from you know other people you know might impact budget etc etc so how how quickly did you did you work that out and is that something you know you're used to and did you you know did you find it quite easy to do yeah i think that's um it's it's a great question matt and and it's a big challenge for yeah for, for many academy managers i suppose and we're really fortunate here that we're we're set up for for success from the the senior leadership team at the club again um some outstanding people in post and that's been the biggest help and support to, to me you know moving into to, to visit you know to post as academy manager and it being my first role so um we've got a director of football in place here i know that's not um some clubs do some clubs don't that's that's been a massive help. Um, Jez George was was academy manager previously at Cambridge United, um, as well as you know having many other roles, including CEO. So, from a strategic um, and wider development point of view, he highly skilled individual, ultra driven, and and he's been he's been a fantastic support to me, Matt, over the last two years, um, yeah. as well as Liam, who's our chief exec, who you know ha- has a real vested interest in in the academy, and and they want it to do well. So. It's it's been a process where it's it's always um it's it's always a, a challenge, but when you've got really good people in place who want to be helpful and, and assist the development and and push the wider strategic goals and how the academy can help the football club, then you, you're probably on to, to to a winner. And I think where where that challenge is almost insurmountable for for some people in some environments across you know different sectors. Really fortunate that 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 isn't the case here, and there's people in place who who are, you know, really supportive, really skilled, um, and, and want the academy to do well. Mm, it sounds it sounds like a really well-oiled machine. Then is that is there real clarity in you know your vision as an as an academy and club and 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 goals targets? Yeah, I, th- I think um, to start with the academy vision, Matt, that's always got to be a, a kind of subsection almost of the wider club, as you've just alluded yeah. to. So. Um, the, the club has real clear strategic goals um, and I think that's that's been evident certainly across the board in the last two to three years with yeah. the way the club's recruited players, tried to play um, and I, I'm going into to Jez's domain here but this is where he is so skilled around you know, developing a playing style that goes from the first team right the way down um, you know, the appointment of, of Michael who's you know, it's such a pleasure to watch Michael coach when, when you can get out to do that, to, to watch a team try and play out and play through and all the all the typical, you know, traditional playing style that's associated with with player development that we saw in our, or we've seen in our first team over the last 18 months with really, really young players. So yeah. we work at a club that that does that. Um, I think the, you know, the average age last year, obviously we just missed out in the player final of, of the team was, was around 22. So, when you're at a club that that wants to play young players and wants to play in a certain way, then of course that that transcends down and, and it helps it helps the the process and, and the way that we work as an academy. Mm. So when I mean that that sounds awesome, by the way, and, and I, I always harp on about um, clarity of goals and alignment of goals, and that sounds like just like harmony, which which is, sounds like a really good environment to work in. What implications does it have for you then, if the average age of the first team is is younger. What implications does that have on you doing your job with the players? Because presumably they have to be ready. If they're getting played younger, they have to be ready younger. What's the impl- implications then on on you and your job? Yeah, I think that's um that's obviously a, ch- a challenge, Matt, isn't it? For a lot of clubs at yeah. uh, at category three level, where you know if if you don't have a twenty threes. Um, there's always that when they get to the end of their scholarship, are are they ready and and how can we get them ready? 
I suppose not, no one can speed up that maturation process, can we? And, you know, there'll be some 18-year-olds who just aren't ready. Um, so I think it's, you know, we've got to try and find the balance of um, some boys will be. So some boys will be will be physically ready, emotionally ready, you know, at 17, 18. Um, young Sean Rowan, who we had last year, played 10, 11 league games as a second year scholar and and he was ready to play, which is, you know, that's that's great. But there'll also be a lot of players who who that isn't the case for. Um, yeah. So so in terms of the the strategic stuff we've just been been speaking around, we've we've gone we've taken a, a similar approach to a couple of other clubs in in the South where we've partnered with a, a step three football club. Um, and they will go and, and play on, on work experience there at 18, 19 if they need a bit more time. So we never want to be in a position where we're getting to 18, we're saying a boy's not ready, that's the end of his pathway when they might be ready in, in 18 months. And it's, you know, it's incumbent on us to find a way to, to get around that because I think that's a real shame when you do such great work from 7 to 18 and then just cut it off because someone's not physically mature. I think that's... That that's just a yeah a, a real shame, and you've done 10, 11 years of great work, and then not been patient for the end bit. You said there, mate, about an alignment, um, whether that's playing style or <clears throat> philosophy, etc. Can you give us an insight what that looks like through the phases, particularly like the early years? Um, like you said, it when players might be 10, 12 years away from that debut, but how are you ensuring that? everything's going in the same direction and, and following that goal. Yeah, absolutely. I think key to that, Lee, as um, you guys will be really well versed in, is is our head of coaching. So we've got a, a really skilled um, individual in, in that post, Lee Moran. He, he worked for a long period of time at, at Nottingham Forest and has spent an extensive part of his coaching career uh, working in them formative years from from seven to twelve, so that that phase for us very much is is really game based and around individual technical development, as I suppose it would look like at a vast number of of academies when you know the boys are going through you know acquiring movement skills and myelination, and we know that it's their their quickest rate of learning. So we want loads of touches, loads of games. We, we challenged ourselves this year to. To really up their game minutes and and even with with COVID we've we've managed to do that and get boys playing two or three games a week you know three v three four v four five v five and try and keep it really small numbers just so they're maximising their touches and and we're trying to extend that Lee into into the youth development phase it's that that's been a challenge because I know for for some clubs the structural availability of facilities can can you know dictate that that isn't that isn't doable but we we really want to stay at at smaller sided formats, 9v9 ideally at 13s and 14s. We don't want to get to the adult game too soon. We feel that's been a weakness in our programme in the last 12 months where we're going, you know, all of a sudden the boys get to, after Christmas in their under 12s, you will start under 13s and they're, they're playing 11 side football when physically they might be 10 or 11. So we want to just try and slow that process down a little bit in the YDP um, and keep it, keep it smaller and, you know, make sure the boys are maximising their touches and then slowly start to transition towards 11 aside in the back end of the YDP and uh, and the PDP where, yeah, the, the focus maybe swings a little bit from technical into tactical and, you know, you're always underpinned by your psychological and emotional development. So I think it's probably a, a standard kind of, of framework or or format and then the, the real skill is in the, the nuance of the coaching and how we bring the ILPs to life within, within different session structures. Um, but it's something we critique all the time, the, the full-time staff, and we're always looking externally and, you know, within house as well, expertise to how we can continue developing. Yeah, I was going to touch on that around the game time because I know you've brought a few, few different teams to us on on a few occasions, which is which is great and, and testament to to your program because some of those times you put in some long hours in the minibus, mate. But how how are you finding, or is there any? benefits to that increased game time and it might you said it, it's relatively early in, in terms of how long you've been doing it but is there any indicators that it's that it's helping or that it's taking you in the direction you want to go with those extra games yeah that's a um I suppose that's that's quite toughly to to quantify whether it is or or it isn't I think um our, our assertion would be that that it is and we've seen some positive returns from that both the number of games we're playing and, and the type of games that we're playing, which we want to continue to do that. And, you know, 
as the the program continues to progress and we have a more elongated period of time, I suppose the the, the proof will, will be in the pudding. But I think it's definitely something the players are enjoying, um, which will, you know we can never lose sight of that. That if it's an enjoyable environment, there they're probably gonna gonna develop you know quite well, and, and fun should still be at the core of a lot of the stuff we're doing because they're you know nine, ten, eleven, fifteen year old children depending on, on on their age group. So uh, I think the early signs are that that it is, but hopefully over the long term that will be um, that'll be proved in a more more steadfast manner. You, you said there about your, your ILPs, your individual learning plans. How important are they and how do you and your coaches use them within your programme? Yeah, vital. Um, absolutely vital. I think, you know, our ILPs obviously are, are a mainstay of you know, across the, the academy program. And it's it's always about individual development, of course, within a structure of, of a team. But, you know, as, as you guys will, will well know, we're working with, you know, in the under-13s, for example, boys who are chronologically so different, who are psychologically and emotionally so different. So how we can maximise their individual learning and development is is, is crucial. Um, it takes a lot of planning. Um, there, there's some really skilled work going on by by Nick Ferry, Danny Johnson, Ash Foyle, who are our phase lead coaches in, you know, planning games and make putting individuals in certain positions or in certain games to try and tease out some of them learning objectives for them. And it's something that, yeah, we should always have a laser focus on, I think, around making sure the boys are getting better at what they're really, really good at. That's that's a, obviously a key part of it. But also, you know, giving them a, a kind of social construction where they can be something that maybe they didn't think they could be. Uh, and I think that's great coaching when, you know, you have a maybe a young player who's relatively safe, comes in from a grassroots team, play, plays a defender mainly, he's got some good skill sets, but that they might be something else. And, and that's the the detail and, you know, bringing that ILP to, to life and stretching individuals is it, that that's a great part of being able to coach and see the young players progress. We talked about uh, individual development quite a lot, didn't we, on EHOC. Is that something that you, do you have a plan for your own development? And if so, how do you, how do you fit it in? Because I know what your work schedule is like. How do you make time to um, address that individual development plan? Yeah, I think quite, quite rightly allude to, Matt, from a personal perspective, it's, it, it can be challenging when, you know, your, your work is full on and, you know, it will be no different for, for, for both of you guys, I'm sure, when you're in the day-to-day, you know, the day-to-day requirements of, of club life, it, it can be it can be tough to find. But I think it, in the back of your head, the thing to try and, try and conceptualise is you're probably letting the players and the staff down if you don't, because if you're not the best version of yourself, you can't yeah. be, you can't be there for them. So, um, obviously I tra- transferred Matt from from the EHOP program, which was fantastic for the two two and a half years onto the you know the, the EAM the academy managers version with the Premier League, and that's been that that's been welcome because there's loads of skills that I haven't picked up before, um, which has been really helpful for for me in terms of whether that be you know strategic development, some of the stuff we've we've touched on here, managing up, and you know how, how you can have influence at, at board level, which is is obviously key in you know. In, in post at the minute from you know accounting finance and, and the wider skill sets that that you need so the, the EAM program is the main kind of the main strand at the minute of, of my personal development and then there's the the kind of ad hoc club-based stuff um, that, that goes on where I'm sure you know that like you guys are doing now you pick up podcasts you go into clubs and there's so many skilled people now across across the academy environment that you know try not to tap into them and and their expertise would be be a crazy thing not to do, especially in, you know, in, in this role where some of the guys who have been doing it for 10, 15, 20 years have kind of pretty much seen it all. So that's um that, that's really nice to be able to, to share experiences with them too. And then what, what about then? Because we, we talked about before, we, we all got into this to be on the grass and you probably more than, than me and Lee will be dragged away from the grass in all the other stuff that you talked about, are you are you finding things that you actually think, oh, do you know what? I'm actually quite interested in this, i.e. budgeting, st- strategy, et cetera, et cetera, or 
are you thinking i just want to be on the grass how how do how do i make it more that i'm on the grass where, where are you on that spectrum yeah that's um that, that's always a, a, an interesting one i'm sure i'm sure from the tone of my question you can tell where i sit on that spectrum so it'd just be yeah, interesting yeah. to see <laughs> No, I mean, I know we've spoken about it before, Matt. I think um, really, really key to to any academy at the minute is having a an outstanding administrator or operations manager. I think they're gold dust. Um, and it, again, that's quite a unique position to fill because having a, a kind of inside knowledge of the rules and regulations of of youth development and audit is is quite a niche kind of role. So we're really fortunate that we've we've got that here. Um, look, I'm, I'm definitely on your end of the spectrum. You know, pl- players get better and, and improve when when they're out training. So I, I try and free myself up to to do that and be out on the grass. I, I go out every day with the 18s because it's, you know, it's such a core part of the role they're in every day. We have, um, as we've spoken around earlier, 15 of our 18 scholars live away from home. So yeah. they do need a lot of support, especially in the early months when they're, they're 16 and they've yeah they've moved away from home for the first time both on the pitch and and off the pitch so definitely try and get out as much as I can it's just a, a skill matter of trying to delegate I think and, and delegate what you can but then there's the odd thing that you know you, you have to pick up so um yeah look a fault of mine is and I know some people don't see this as a fault I do work too much Matt I work too many hours yeah um I shouldn't work the hours that, that I do it's it's probably not fair on you know, on the missus especially, she's a very forgiving person, which I'm, you know, I'm fortunate to, to be in that position. Uh, but you know, you've got you've got to get out, you've got to get out and coach, and then you've got to learn the wider bits as well. But the, you know, we all get into it to to get out and get out on the pitch and work with players. Yeah, because because the, the reason I asked is going back to like your individual development plan. If if that is around mastery of coaching, um, it's it's hard when you have to shine the torch on other things a lot. So if, if you want to, you know, dedicate yourself to the art of coaching, um, if you're getting, you know, your time is getting eaten up by, you know, meetings and budgets and strategies and et cetera, et cetera, it, it's hard to, to feed your development plan into that pathway. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, I just think for for all the knowledge, Matt, in them areas, you know, you, you can't substitute relationships with people. And it's mm. like, you know, is is the the anecdote, is the house going to burn down? 99% of the time it's not. Yeah. So, you know, whether that be a budget meeting or some urgent kind of administration stuff that needs, it can generally wait. Like, it can generally wait. There, there's there's the odd occasion where there might be something that, that needs urgent attention. But, um you know, the, your success is determined by relationships with people. So trying to get out and, you know, make sure I see enough of the under the under sevens, the under eights, the under nines. I know the boys, I know the parents, so I could make acquaintances and know what, you know, might not it would probably be impossible to know all the, the, in the details of everyone's ILP, but certainly when I go and watch the under tens, I, I want to try and know what each of the individuals are working on so I can have some, you know, some, some high quality discussions with with the coach, with the players, and, and maybe just have a little bit of a, a little bit of an impact. And I think that's that's really important stuff that you know we can never lose sight of. Hmm. I'll come down from the cloud a little bit now. But what 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 do you look for in your staff? You know, is there some is there some key, you know you talked about relationships being really key. What what is it in as people? Obviously, they have to have the coaching ability, the game understanding, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What are the key, you know, personal attributes or skills that, that you look for in a staff member? Yeah, I think the, the, there's probably one big one, Matt, that sticks out for me, whether you're a coach, sports scientist, medic, you know, whatever domain you work, you work within, within the academy is you have to be subservient to the player. Um, and if you've got the capability and willingness to put your own needs aside, then regardless of, you know, always forgive some lack of technical competency or, or something, if that person has that mentality. I think the players know them individuals and when they know that you are for them as a coach, as a practitioner, then you have a platform to improve them. Yeah. If you don't, 
disregard, you know, you can have the best knowledge in the world. If they don't think you're there for them, you're going to struggle. So um, that, that, that would be the key thing. People who can, who can build them relationships and are there to, to improve the players. Mm. It's hard to, it's hard to see that in a person in an interview, isn't it? That that's something that you see over time of you know them working with players, working with each other. Yeah, most definitely. Um, re- really tough to to see an interview process. I think that's a that's that's a great point. Um, but but ultimately, once you gain a you know a, a bit more knowledge about them them individuals and you, you see them work and you look for them them little acts Matt, of you know supporting people during difficult times and can remove their you know that their own their own ego their own needs to support support players I've seen a couple of outstanding you know bits that stick out of, of coaching in my, my time here and you know previous club with some of the, the developers there and that then people always stick out as yeah just just high-end high-end people that, that want the young young players to get better but t- totally agree that is a challenging interview that yeah no answer to that mate yeah so what what um you know if, if we turned up at the academy one evening this week what what would you hope that we see yeah i think first thing you'd see is loads of loads of game-based fun activity mate, in in the early part so we have the I suppose like most clubs, the young players come in, come in first, half five till, till, till seven o'clock, um, half five till half seven. There'd be some, you know, a lot of multi-sport stuff going on, some futsal in, in our indoor area, loads of game-based activity, ball mastery, individual work, and hopefully everyone active, everyone engaged, you know, sweats on, smiles, having fun, just loving life and getting better at football. Um and then that would that would extend in, into the second second session. We might see a little bit more tactical work going on at, at 13, 14, 15, 16, but but still them same core values of of boys enjoying it and, and having an environment where they're you know they're they're trying to get better, but it's underpinned by fun and play and game-based work um of, of an evening. And then, you know, pr- pretty similar again during the day, apart from you know, the, the PDP, it's the kind of dynamic changes a little bit, although we don't want it to that much, but there's the you know the additional bits of there'll be a higher emphasis on their their gym based work on their conditioning and then of course on load management so you know game based stuff has to be reined in a little bit because you know they're they're on specific loading patterns and you know you're yeah. constantly on on the GPS to make sure you're not overcooking them and you're you know you're managing that transition into full time full time football well but the the one thing that I would hope Matt that all the players and all the staff would would say about the the club is that that they enjoy it. I think if, if you've got fun in, in your environment and in your culture, then that's not a bad thing. Um, knowing that, look, we might get some footballers at the end of it, but for the, for the vast majority of, of the lads, you know, they're, they're just going to be developing young people. We'll go on to do different mm. things. And if they've enjoyed their time, then, then that's great. Yeah. Fun is it, so important, isn't it? And I think, I think people get like hung up on the word thinking that fun has to be something silly, something you know, like the messing around, like you can enjoy working hard. You can enjoy being competitive and playing against a mate. And, you know, fun looks, it's engaging, isn't it? You know, whether it's hard work or, or whatever you're doing, you know, it's not just, you know, being silly and running around cones or doing flips. It's that fun is about working hard and being competitive and trying to be the best. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, certainly not the notion of, yeah, being being silly or, or messing around—that's that's definitely not it. it. Is it's fun through engaging practice um, that's purposeful. That there's challenge that you know that brings out fun. I think a lot of the a lot of the young lads, Matt, that they enjoy being pushed. Um, that they like you say they enjoy working hard. They enjoy playing hard, and and they enjoy you know being take, taken to the, the limit. Maybe some of the older players, but the younger ones they. Yeah, that they enjoy challenge and they enjoy rigor. So it's certainly it's fun through through game based activity um, where they're they're also learning the game. But sometimes that will be an organic learning process rather than a, you know, the old loads of stop stand still. You know, the, the ball rolling time that I'm sure you, you know you guys will, will have it at Preston and, and West Brom where you're trying to get real high levels of of activity for the players that they they go away knowing that yeah they've 
they, they've worked hard, they've extended themselves physically, but they've enjoyed the process as well. You, you touched on earlier, Matt, about your first team is young and successful. Let's, let's take a few minutes to talk about the national team, which has just proven it is also young and contrary to, to some people's ridiculous views, was still very, very successful in this Euros. Tell, tell us about the national game at the minute, mate. You're, you're someone who works in amongst it, in youth development. You see loads of work in different clubs through, through your games programme and being in amongst other academy managers. What, what are your thoughts on where our game is currently, what the future of our game looks like and, and sort of some of the things, I guess, since maybe the inception of the EPPP that have contributed to that? Yeah, I think um, that firstly about our first team, look, I suppose we've got to pass on um, a little bit of thanks to your club because we, we have a, a few of your lads on loan. So um, thanks for, for that. Obviously, Alex Palmer was great last year and, and Josh has just come in. Obviously, yesterday he's going to be our goalkeeper, 19. So, um, yeah, we're fortunate to get some some really good young loan players as well at the football club here, which I suppose is a, a subsidiary benefit of the quality of youth development in in, in this country. Um, I think with with regards to the national team, look, the last month was great, wasn't it? Everyone's enjoyed the enjoyed the Euros, watching watching us play with you know some real bravery on occasions, pragmatism when needed, and and a flexibility that's enabled us to be really successful and get to a couple of kicks away from from winning a major tournament. So, um, look, hopefully it's the the early signs of of a youth development structure and governance from when the EPPP came in 2013-ish, where there, there has been a bit of a flip and a focus on individual development. And we're seeing young players now who, you know, play with individualism, but understand how to do that within a structure. And, you know, we've we've got them in abundance. Um, but but notwithstanding, you know, the, the players who, who also have some different skill sets. And I suppose that's our job as well as developers of, we want them creative, exciting players, but also there's, you know, we still need to find the the lads who love defending and, and stopping the ball going in the goal. And and that was also a key part of, you know, the last tournament with, with Harry Maguire and John Stones and Kyle Walker playing so well for a large parts of the tournament. So, yeah, look, hopefully it's something that, that can, can continue. I know there's there's loads of strength in, in the young age groups coming through. Been fortunate enough to go and see see some of them train on occasion and, and, and work with some of them boys um, at, at Luton mainly and, and a couple of lads now at Lincoln who are who are pushing on in and around the national team. So hopefully it's something that can continue and we can stay, you know, stay right, right to the end in, in the forthcoming World Cup and, and tournaments to come. There was, there was some really interesting stuff shared um, on social media during the tournament about the, the national team and, and the players and where they started their journeys and a high percentage of them started at quote-unquote smaller clubs or, or lower category clubs. Is that something that gives you confidence or, or your players are, are real, you know, actually uh, this, could be, this could be me one day? You know, I, I know sometimes category three clubs can get a bit of a bad rap um, but actually, it's they're vital, just like the grassroots game. But the the opportunity and the work that's going on in cat free clubs is as good as any. Um, how how important was was seeing that to you and, and maybe some of your players, mate? Yeah, I, th- I think that the kind of diversity of of backgrounds and, and pathways that the the current national team went through is 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 insightful. Um, it's something to to try and not not learn from. I'm not sure that's that's the right right phraseology, but certainly considering how we we plan and and develop programs, um, every every club has a strata. I suppose for some for some young players, Lee, it might be more beneficial being one of the stronger players in a not a weaker environment, but in a less strong group at any given period of time and having earlier opportunity. Um, you know, maybe we've seen that on occasion with with players like Jude Bellingham, who obviously got a chance to play first-team football really young at, at Birmingham, um, at a Category 2 academy, rather than being at one of the big Premier League clubs during um, you know, during his formative years. So I think for for, for the young players, look, they'll all dream of that, won't they? They'll want to they'll represent their represent their country. That's that's natural for for them. And and there's some there's some great work that goes on at, you know, 
Category One clubs in in the Premier League, like like yourselves. I know it obviously didn't didn't end maybe as as planned for West Brom last year, but have been a Category One club producing you know high level players for an extended period of time. To you know Category Three clubs like like Lincoln, like like Leighton Orient, you know, but back home who who have also produced loads of loads of players over the years. So I think there's there's good work going on across the categories across the categories now and. Yeah, it's it's not one size fits all for the best pathway for, for each individual player. Jordan, I'm I'm going to um, I'm conscious of your time, so I'm uh, I'm going to start wrapping up with a couple of questions. Uh, first one from me, and then I'm going to get Lee wrap it up. But um, it'd be good to hear well something that you've maybe read, listened to, uh, watched recently that you think was. Well, it could be enjoyable or insightful or both um, that you would recommend to listeners to check out. Yeah. Um, so one of the or the, the two books I've read most recently, Matt, are A War Doctor and Chemical Warrior. So nothing to do with football. Um, okay. When you're having a stressful day, they make you realise that, yeah, maybe put a bit of perspective into things. So um, I try not to get... Um, try and keep my, my stress levels in check when there's people on the front line saving lives and doing jobs that are far more stressful than 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 youth development. So two uh yeah, two insightful, insightful reads from, you know, highly skilled people in in the medical and, you know, the, the armed forces, which has, has been yeah, excellent for just putting things into perspective, I think, more than anything else. Yeah. We we talked about that from the the lockdown. We get we get wrapped up in in our job so much, and we think it's so important. And I remember, like day one of lockdown, I was at home, and we did some Zoom fitness sessions and analysis, and you know it was nothing. And like my wife was busier than ever, you know. Like, and it just it just made me think. Oh, actually, you know what what we do is probably not that important. We'd probably just need to relax a little bit, and you know. So yeah, sounds sounds very good. Bit of perspective. Yeah, the, uh, the the most important unimportant thing. I think that was what Jürgen Klopp said. Isn't it? That's it, exactly. It's good enough for him. Then we'll, we'll take it. If um, mate, if you could give yourself a piece of advice, you've just come out of uh, university, and you could give yourself a piece of advice, knowing what you know now, what would you say? Definitely, just to to get out there, Lee, and in, in as you know, into as many different environments as as you can um for, for anyone who who's starting out and look it, even my, my current position still still a novice in in many respects of of coaching and playing the player development and, and learning learning every day it's just to try and try and access as many as many people and, and environments as you can that are going to stretch and challenge your thought process and and you're thinking to get get away from you know not not get away from the structure of coaching but get into what coaching really is. Um, and I think that's probably something we don't necessarily speak around enough or is, you know, what is coaching? Um, and just keep delving in and challenging, you know, the, the wide variety of aspects that go into improving a young player that transcend the plan of X's, O's, the session for that night. What's been your fondest memory in football to date, mate? Oh, wow. So many. Um, so many fond memories. What am I going to go with? Um, watching, I think when when Leicester City won the, uh, when the, F, won the FA Cup, Lee, this, this past season, um, and obviously only a, a very small part to play, but young, young James Justin, who... Who missed out, unfortunately, in the final because he, you know, a bad crucial injury, but played such a key part in in the, you know, all the other rounds to that date. He obviously he was at Luton from from eight right the way through to to nineteen when he left, you know, with 80, 90 league games under his belt to join Leicester City. And James had had a real, you know, hard period of time. Recently lost his dad, cracking kid. Um, so, so to see James get to that point in in his career was a yeah, that that was a really good moment. Um, that was a really good moment, and it's probably James's kind of journey and pathway has almost been. I think he's probably exactly ten or eleven years younger than I am, so I got to see that whole journey 
and now to see the end point of it culminating in that is a yeah that that was a, a really a really good good moment um that yeah fills you with a little bit of a little bit of pride and and real you know really pleased for him that's that's almost why you do it isn't it to try and help someone achieve their goals that's why i guess we all get into coaching and to see it happen to that extent yeah absolutely um i think that's probably why it, it resonates so so much and look that there's you know like there will have been lee from your time at northampton no no doubt and and matt the you know the variety of environments you've worked in and, and preston now you're that they're moments not a few, a few and far between but but when they when they do come something of that kind of magnitude it it does um yeah, I think they're they're the times where you can reflect with a little bit of um, a little bit of pride, and um, it, it does make them them long hours, them them nine half nine finishes when you're away from family and stuff. It is what you do it for. So um, yeah, it's of, of great credit to to that young man and and you know many others, but it, it does make the does make the hours worthwhile, no doubt. Final question, Jordan. What does the uh, future hold for you? Oof. Um, yeah, look, I, I love my job, Matt. I think that's the that's probably something that that's been omitted. But you know, amid all the challenge and the the tough bits of it, it's it's a really enjoyable role. Um, a fantastic football club at the moment, where I'm learning and developing every day. So, in in the immediate future, I just want to continue down that path and keep developing my skill sets to to be as as good at you know the my, my current role as I can, but you know, not not to not to negate that I'm an ambitious individual. So, um, look, I'd I'd love to work in youth development at the the highest possible level, whether that's um, with some of the young national teams or at a, a category one club. Um, my, my family matter are, are back in London, so um, that's probably somewhere I'd like to to end up because it's you know where, where I grew up and where yeah, a lot of the my, my main roots are. So. Yeah, who knows? But for the time being, it's just to to crack on here and, and keep developing and learning, and, and hopefully that will will end up with a yeah the, the right opportunity at the right time. Great stuff, mate. Listen, we uh, we know you've uh, given up a lot of your, your time tonight, so we can't thank you enough. I guess before we we say bye, it's only right that we wish we, you touched upon the first team manager. We we want to put on record we wish him well and. I know you said he, he's on the men, so we do. That's great news, and we we wish him a speedy recovery. Um, but listen, mate, thank you so much for your time. Um, I, I won't wish you luck because it seems like you're creating your own luck with your with your hard work, your hours, and the years you put in, mate. So um, I hope the season and, and the years to come are, are good to you, mate. And uh, yeah, can't thank you enough for your time. It's been uh, it's been great to catch up. Uh, brilliant. Thanks, guys. Lee, Matt, it's, um, it's great to catch up as always and hopefully we can uh, we can do it in person soon. So, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll um, we'll cross paths this season with, with a couple of games at some point. Top man. All the best, mate. Cheers, gents.